Welcome back to the podcast. In this episode, I'm going to be giving my reaction to the trade deadline deals made for the NBA, as well as talk about some of the big-time injuries that could affect some playoff standings down the stretch. Also going to give my reaction to the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament. Man, that those are that was a crazy, crazy first two rounds. Also going to give a NFL team review. So, and this team should be an interesting one to talk about. And also going to give my NBA team of the week and NBA trash can of the week. Also going to talk about the Kenny Galladay signing with the New York Giants. That's interesting signing. Also, we have Blake Griffin's debut with the Brooklyn Nets. And hmm, it was an interesting debut. Also, James Harden, the best player in the world? Charles Barkley seems to think so. I'll give my opinion on that as well. But, here we go, man. Another day, another episode. Here we go. March Madness, everybody. How did you think about it? Oh, man, so... First two rounds of these of these of this tournament has been absolutely insane. And starting off in the first four, you can already tell that the energy for this tournament is going to be off the charts. And well, the first four games did disappoint. All of our highly contested games all the way throughout the end. And well, what do you expect of the first four? Very high contested. Competitive games. It really felt like March, March again for basketball. It's it was definitely worth the TV rate. Now heading into the actual first round of the tournament, there and my bracket was done in the very first game. <laughs> As Florida beat Virginia Tech, but going through the uh, rest of the games, all of them went like like where I thought they would with Colgate not beating Arkansas. Illinois taking care of business, and then the first upset happened. Oral Roberts University beats Ohio State. That was probably the craziest upset for me in the first round. And, well, that definitely ruined a lot of people's brackets because I guess somehow some people had had this team going to the Final Four. I don't believe I had them going to the Final Four. I had them going to the Elite Eight. Or was it the Sweet 16? But it was one of those two. But either way, that that didn't happen. And then the Royal of Chicago, they did their thing again. They're Now they're on a crazy run. Now they're into the Sweet 16. And they're going up against another Cinderella in Oregon State who – had some pretty interesting, pretty big wins themselves over Tennessee and Oklahoma State, led by the potential number one overall pick in Kate Cunningham. So their run has been absolutely phenomenal all year long, from being predicted last in the Pac-12 to now in the Sweet 16, and potentially moving on to the Elite Eight if they can knock off another tournament darling in Loyola, Chicago. And, well... Then we go through the rest. We got another Cinderella in Syracuse. They've been playing phenomenal throughout this tournament. They knocked out teams like San Diego State and I believe 
They also knocked off the three seed West Virginia. They played some pretty great basketball as well. Another Cinderella that's out there for me would have to be ah another Cinderella story that could have happened in North Texas, but obviously they got knocked out by Nova. That was a crazy ride for them. Good for them. Another interesting story is how well the Pac-12 has played in this tournament. I believe they got five teams in their tournament, and now they got four in the Sweet 16, USC, Oregon, UCLA, and Oregon State, obviously. Colorado got knocked out by Florida State in the round of 32. And Pac-12 was definitely was underestimated going into this tournament. I mean, people like to clown the Pac-12 for being the – irrelevant Power 5 conference, but here they are sitting with four teams in the round three sixteen. I mean, oof. let's see. Gonzaga looks like they're playing up to their potential. They definitely should have an easier time winning this conference. Their side of the bracket now. They should get to the Final Four, in my opinion, now. Especially now with Iowa getting absolutely demolished by Oregon, who only reason they got to the round of 32 is because they didn't even have to play their first game because of BCU going out with COVID issues, which is a shame. I feel bad for anybody who had a perfect bracket onto that game. Oregon versus VCU, and they lost because VCU couldn't play. So that was a shame. Um and I could definitely say the biggest disappointment of the tournament for me right now was definitely be Illinois, who got knocked out of the first knocked out in the second round by Loyola. I mean, yeah. And also, I want to say this is a disappointing team because they did what they were supposed to do in the first round, but this team got absolutely embarrassed in the second round. That is three seed Kansas. Getting absolutely mopped off the floor by USC. Ugh, score is 85 to 51. That's just, man, that's just embarrassing. I mean, I mean, up to that point, March is great. All the games were absolutely exciting up until the last three games of the first round, where Florida State took care of Colorado pretty handily. Alabama flexed their muscles on Maryland and USC embarrassed Kansas. So, yeah. Tournament was on an all time high, then it hit all time low real quick. Uh, yeah. Now, to talk about the Sweet 16, there are some intriguing matchups here to look at. Obviously, you got a darling of the past in Loyola against the darling now in Oregon State. That should be an interesting matchup to be sh- to be sure. In that game, now my turn's over. I'm just giving my predictions for the ra- for Sweet 16. I'm going to take – you know what? I think I might take the Beavers to move on here. I know Loyola Chicago is going to – they got Sister G on this side, but I don't – Oregon State's probably the hottest team in the tournament right now. I got them moving on to the Elite Eight. Villanova and Baylor. I don't even talk about this one. I think Baylor will move on without a question. 
this one is ugh, this one's rough. Oral Roberts versus Arkansas. I think the I think the clock strikes midnight here for Oral Roberts. I just don't see how they could beat Arkansas, who let's just be honest, they're in their class alone compared to Florida and Ohio State. So I got Arkansas moving on there. And then Syracuse and Houston. This could be another situation where Cinderella moves on, and I'm actually going to take it. Syracuse has played pretty good ball throughout the tournament. Houston barely squeaked by in their last two game in round of 32. Having to come all the way back. And if Buddy Beheim can keep playing the way he's playing, I think Syracuse can make it to the Elite Eight. For the Sunday matchups, we got number five, Creighton versus number one, Gonzaga. I just I don't see anyone that can beat Gonzaga on this side of the, of the bracket in there. Region, I just don't. I just don't. Creighton's going to stand a chance in this game. I got Gonzaga winning this one. Florida State, Michigan. I got Florida State winning this one, man. I mean, Michigan was pushed to the brink against LSU, and I think Florida State is a much better team than LSU. So I think Michigan's going to – it's going to be a good game, but in the end I got Florida State defeating Michigan. UCLA versus Alabama. Again, there goes another Pac-12 team. I think Alabama is just, in, again, in a whole other weight class compared to UCLA. It's going to be a close in the first half. And then just like, I think just like in the Maryland game, I think Alabama is just going to pull away late. And that will be the end of the ride for the Bruins. And the last Sweet 16 game is Pac-12 on Pac-12 action for the right to go to the Elite Eight. Oregon versus USC. As much as I like Oregon, they probably – aren't going to withstand a lengthy defensive USC team. I got USC led by Evan Mobley to go to the Elite Eight. And that's pretty much how I have how I thought of March, and that is how I think the Sweet 16 games are going to unfold. All right, let's talk about some of the injuries that have definitely going to create a little bit of a shockwave in the NBA. Let's start with probably the biggest one, the LeBron James injury. He has a high ankle sprain, and it's reported that he'll miss a few weeks with that injury. I just want to talk about what that would mean to the Los Angeles Lakers, who need to do quite a bit to stay up there in the standings while LeBron James is out, and they still don't have Anthony Davis back, so it's going to be interesting to see how that team performed without them. But this is a rare injury for LeBron James, and this is going to hurt the Lakers in a big way. Like I said, they're out their two best players. And for the Lakers, it's just we'll see how it goes. I mean, tonight they play the 76ers. I don't see how in the world they're going to win that game. I mean, they could win that game, but it's going to be very difficult to win that game. I don't think they will, though. Look at their schedule. They got the Cavs after tonight. They got the Sixers tonight. Cavs tomorrow. They could, they should win that game with or with, without LeBron or AD. Just, the Cavs are just that bad. They play the Magic, who just blew themselves up. They should win that game. 
They might lose against the Bucks. They might. They could beat the Kings. And well, Lakers, Clippers. That might. I don't think they'll win that game without LeBron, Rady. Raptors. I don't know. They could beat them. Lakers versus Heat on April eighth. Heat are probably gonna take that one, especially after what they've done. Then they got the Nets. I think they're not gonna win that game. I want to hear from LeBron James injury. He should be back around when they play the Hornets, Celtics, or Jazz. I think it should be around there. So, but like I said, I'm no doctor. I've heard multiple, I've seen multiple reports saying two week, two to four weeks, four to six weeks. So, I don't know. I don't really don't really know how long he's going to be out. But for what how much time he is going to be out for. Lakers are really going to step up and do the thing. Schroeder's going to have better games than he's produced in the past. Kyle Kuzma, he's got to step up. I remember when he said he said he was going to be the third. He's the third best player on that team. Time for him to prove it right here, right now. Harold needs to step up. KCP might have to step up. And I know y'all Lakers fans don't like it, but I think even Wesley Matthews might have to step up. And talking about the trade deadline. They didn't get nobody in particular. They were in the Kyle Lowry sweepstakes, but I guess THT is a little too valuable for Kyle Lowry, which is all right, I guess, for someone who's 35. But for the Lakers, that's going to be an interesting problem for them to have. And we'll see how well they can do. I mean, can they hold, can they hold firm until AD can return? Have to wait and see. Also, also on this injury list, there's a lot of injuries in the NBA, but these are the recent ones. Also, remember how Steph Curry is injured. He has like a tailbone contusion, and oh, forever long he's out. He's going to. Uh, the Warriors definitely need him back as soon as possible, depending on how his injury is going to be. Um, but some reports he's going to be out for a few more weeks, another week, at least another week. So the Warriors in that week. Well, they play some pretty sorry teams, so I think. Andrew Wiggins and Kelly Oubre should be enough to keep them in these ball games to just take care of business. And another injury that really, really kind of made me mad because this team has been very exciting for a little bit, and that is Lamella Ball with a fracture in his wrist. And it feels like he might be out for the season, but there's a report that came out and says he got surgery on that wrist and he's going to get reevaluated at some time. Maybe he can't come back. I hope he can come back, but if he can't, hopefully he rests up. Personally, for me, he was my runaway favorite rookie of the year. He's been having a fantastic year with the Charlotte Hornets. And whew, I was kind of hoping that Charlotte team would make the playoffs to see that little exciting young team play postseason basketball, but we'll see how they do down the stretch. Big question for people going to ask is, did he do enough if he's out for the rest of the year to win Rookie of the Year? Personally, I was still picking to win Rookie of the Year, but maybe it won't be unanimous, as I pers- usually thought. 
originally thought. But honestly, I think he did enough to win Rookie of the Year. Honestly, we'll see how it goes. Honestly, you got guys like Anthony Edwards out there who are, who is balling in his own right. So it's going to be interesting to see how they do the voting for Rookie of the Year. Now, for the Hornets, I think the Hornets can still compete for a playoff spot. I think that team is that deep. I still so got guys like Terry Rozier, Devontae Graham, and Terry Rozier, who's been playing very well this year, actually. So it's going to be interesting to see how well they hold up. And in the last game, they blew out the lowly Rockets. So, and their game over 500, which would put them into a tie. I think a three way tie with a four seed in the East. Yeah, four way tie. Actually, they are the four seed all by themselves because they're one game of 500. The Heat are at 500, but I don't think that will stay the same for long. I'll I'll talk about that in a minute. Knicks are 500, and the Hawks are 500. I said I'll talk about those teams in a minute. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the Hornets hang in there. They are in a pretty good spot right now. The four seed at the moment. Without the mellow ball, it's going to be interesting to see how well they perform without him. But I, I still think they are a very solid team. I mean, guys, like I said Hayward, Rozier, Graham, Miles Bridges played pretty well this year. Maybe Malik Monk will get some more play time. Who knows? But I, st- I can see them competing for a playoff spot. Maybe they get into that play-in. So let's see how it goes. And let's talk about one other debut. Well, not, let's talk about the Blake Griffin debut for the Nets because I just need to get it out there. Uh, have fun with him, Nets, because he's played in a couple games for the Brooklyn Nets. In his debut against the Wizards, 15 minutes, 2 points, 2 rebounds. But he dunked for his 2 points. So... That was cool. And against the Portland Trailblazers, Blake Griffin, he played 19 minutes, five rebounds, eight points. So, again, not that bad for a guy who hasn't played in a while. And obviously, I, don't, I believe he did not play against the Jazz where the Nets got blown out. But the Nets are shorthanded, so it's commission to see how they do when they all finally get healthy. Or Kyrie decides to stick around. So we'll see how it goes. But yeah. Lakers hang they gotta hang in there for as long as they can. In a t- very tough Western conference. So we'll see who can step up on the team. We'll have to wait and see for that. They play the Sixers tonight, so that should really show how that team Lux without LeBron. I haven't got to see them play without LeBron yet, so that should be interesting. Curry, he needs to come back soon for the Warriors. The Warriors are in a rough spot, so they're definitely going to need him back soon. And the metal ball off the Hornets. The Hornets can still compete for a playoff spot. They are still a very solid team. It's going to be interesting to see how they do. And the Brooklyn Nets plus Blake Griffin, it's going to be an interesting ride. They just need to get healthy. And we'll see how it goes, man. We'll see how it goes with them. All right, I'm going to give my NBA team of the week. And my NBA team of the week 
is going to go to the Charlotte Hornets. Just mentioned them earlier in my injuries list for with LaMelo Ball going down, but even with guys like LaMelo Ball going down for the rest of the year, potentially, the Charlotte Hornets have been playing fantastic basketball as of late. They are now game over 500 and now currently sit in the number four seed in the Eastern Conference. But the past few games, they played, they played some impressive competition and played some pretty great basketball, beating teams like the Raptors and the Kings. They beat the Spurs in a pretty hard-fought game, and they blew out the Rockets. Well, they also some tough losses to also some tough losses to teams like the Lakers. Before the LeBron James injury, that was actually a fun duel to watch. Well, not watch, but see the highlights of between LaMelo Ball and LeBron James. That was actually an entertaining game to watch. Obviously, they had that rough loss against the Clippers, but like I said, with this young team, it's going to be interesting to see how they compete with some of these higher echelon, upper echelon, whatever that word is, team, and see how well they compete in this E2 conference. But they are currently in the four seed, one game over 500. And this team is very, very solid. I think they're a very small, solid group. Obviously, you got guys like Terry Rogier who can give you 20 night. Devontae Graham and Okanite give you 20 night. Gordon Hayward's a very solid player. Miles Bridges is a very exciting player. Malik Monk with the with the uh, Lamella Ball injury. I should we should expect him to see him play a little more, but it's gonna be interesting to see how well the Horns play down the stretch. They play tomorrow against the Heat, so another good, pretty good test. And I believe the winner of that game will have sole possession of fourth place in the East for the moment. So we'll see how well they go. And now for the trash can. Well, it's the Houston Rockets. <laughs> like, I originally picked them before the trade deadline, before the Victor Oladipo trade, but it's really just solidified it for me. I mean, the Rockets, they, a few nights ago, they finally snapped their 20-game losing streak with a victory over the Toronto Raptors. But, yeah, that was like the – and then they followed up the next night with a blow loss to the Charlotte Hornets. And now they traded Oladipo for absolutely nothing. I'll get into more detail about that when I talk about the trade deadline, but I, I just don't know where this Rockets team is going. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if they get the number one overall pick heading their way. But I don't even remember if they even have a draft pick this year because they trade. Trade. I think they traded this year's first round for Westbrook, but I can't remember off the top of my head. But yeah, the Rockets have just been terrible all year long, and honestly, this is just this is just bad. And you really got to think about what James Harden said at the beginning of the year, that this team was not good enough to win a championship. And honestly, he's looking more like a, 
you're looking more like a smart person <laughs> for wanting to get out of there every day. He's looking a lot smarter for saying he wanted to get out of there every day. I mean, it, now you got to really look at James Harden's impact for Houston. And you can definitely tell that if he wasn't playing hero ball every night, I think the Rockets would have definitely been where they are right now. They're not that – they are a terrible, terrible basketball team. And now you got to appreciate James Harden a little bit more. Like I said, Jane, Charles Barkley thinks he's the best player in the world. I'll talk about that here in a little bit. But the Rockets have just been absolutely terrible. I feel bad for you Houston Rockets fans because you all remember a few years ago they could have gone to the finals, but they I think Chris Paul got injured. Like that was like the climax of the James Harden Houston Rockets. And now that he's gone, now you're just a complete dumpster fire. And I, I'm sorry to see that. Uh, yeah, that is my team of the week and trash can of the week. It's just, oh. Now, speaking of James Harden, now Ch- Charles Barkley has recently came out and said that he believes that James Harden should be consideration for best player in the world over guys like LeBron James, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and a lot of other talented players. If you were to ask me at the beginning of the year, what I think should James Harden should be considered to be the best player in the world, and I think my I think my answer would be no. Here's why I think James Harden, though I believe he's a top five player in this league in the NBA, I don't think he's the number one player in the world. So, I mean, he's had a very, very, very great successful year this year in Brooklyn, but I think those numbers are a little bit inflated due to the fact that, one, he's playing on a Nets team where He's basically been able to run the whole show by himself because Kyrie has been every in and every game. Kevin Durant has been injured for the longest time with that hamstring strain. And when, it's going to be interesting to see whether that next year's come back healthy because I don't know how it's going to affect James Harden's stats. As of right now, James Harden is averaging 25 points a game on 46% shooting with, eight re, with almost nine rebounds and 11 assists a game. So... Now, don't get me wrong, James Harden has been playing fantastic this year, but I want to punt. I've we've seen this before in Houston. These are pretty much similar numbers he's put up in Houston before. Maybe not as, as not as big, because obviously he's not had to play hero ball in Brooklyn this year, as compared to all those times he had to play hero ball in Houston. But I honestly think those numbers are going to. Slow down a bit. Come Kevin Durant's return, and when Kyrie's actually going to stick around the ball club for a long period of time, it's going to be interesting to see how they do and how these numbers are going to stack up for James Harden. And another reason why I wouldn't put him above LeBron James quite yet is because as, as I we see him putting up these great numbers right now in the regular season. 
Let me see this in the playoffs because we all know his playoff history. It's not that great compared to the regular season. And, well, like I said, I need to see James Harden do what he's doing right now in the regular season, in the playoffs for me to consider him to be about LeBron. And even if he does what he's doing right now in the postseason, I still probably wouldn't pick him with LeBron because LeBron has been there, done that, has been consistent both regular season and playoffs his entire career. Heck, you might even say he turns it on even more in the playoffs compared to the postseason. I don't think it's fair to LeBron. I mean, to think that, oh, I'm really calling other players the best player in the world while LeBron is still here. I don't know about you, but I don't think people were saying, oh, Carl Malone is the best player in the NBA when MJ was around. People find that a little disrespectful. And I don't think anyone would take it that lightly, but there's still some people out here trying to take the crown off LeBron so quickly. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. And I'm not even the biggest LeBron fan, but you can't start saying, oh, LeBron's injured. Let's just give someone else the crown as best player in the world. I just don't understand how you just give someone a crown that hasn't been earned yet. I don't want to hear it. I just don't understand why guys like Charles Barkley can come out and say, oh, James Harden's the best player in the world. I mean, he hasn't won anything. He won like a – he has one MVP – Puts up great stats, mind you not, but in the playoffs, he shrinks. He shrinks. I don't even hate – I'm not I'm trying to hate on Jutar. I think – I don't just don't think he's going to be – he's the best player in the world. But if he wins this year, wins the finals MVP, maybe he can put him in that conversation for top three in the league. But – I, until LeBron James decides to hang up his shoes, I don't think it's right to say anyone's the best player in the world until LeBron's out of the league. All right. There's an interesting Brady signing I want to talk about real quick, and that is the Kenny Galladay signing with the New York Giants. And for the Giants, that is a fantastic signing for them. It gives a guy like Daniel Jones... The great target throw too. Now he has a weapon lineup of Kenny Galladay, Shepard. They also got Kyle Rudolph and Fancy Evan Ingram. I think it's still a decent tight end in the NFL. And obviously they're gonna get he's gonna get Saquon Barkley back as well. So what does that mean for the Giants? Well, it means one thing and one thing only. This is a make-or-break season for Daniel Jones. If Daniel Jones cannot build and improve next season with all the weapons he has now, with a healthy Saquon Barkley, the Giants, in my opinion, should consider moving on from Daniel Jones. For me, he was a, and for everybody, he was a head-scratcher going into this, going when he was drafted. So, it's good to see how David Jones performs now with guys like Kane Galladay, Kyle Rudolph, 
and all these other weapons he has around him. So, there it is. This is it. This is a basically the last year of the tryout for Daniel Jones. All right, so as you all know, today was the NBA trade deadline. And for the most part, it was a very interesting trade deadline. And it's also going to be interesting to see what kind of, what players get bought out down later down the road. But I want to go over some of the trades I went through today and give my thoughts on them. So let's start with the first trade that I saw when I woke up this morning. It was, well, not this morning, but when I saw the trade, was JaVale McGee to the Denver Nuggets for Isaiah Hartenstein and two second-round picks. For Denver, I think this is the first move for them. I've talked about their other move in a little bit. But this move is a very solid move for them. JaVale McGee is a guy who can come off your bench, give you solid minutes, give you, I'd say, roughly eight points, a few rebounds here, a Pretty decent amount of rebounds here and there. And it's a nice little shop locker who can help defend the paint. And can help that second unit out for the Denver Nuggets behind guys like Jokic. Because I don't think, besides Jokic, he had another big, really sort of center other than Isaiah Hartenstein now and then, who they just traded to Cleveland. So, yeah, JaVale McGee can give you solid minutes off the bench and give you some defense and shot blocking. Another trade that went down, which kind of was like, oh, okay, this is going to be interesting, is Nikola Vucevic getting traded from the Orlando Magic to the Chicago Bulls for Otto Porter, Wendell Carter, and two first-round picks. Now, for the Bulls, I think this is a very solid move for them. Obviously, they get an all-star center in exchange for two players who are just, eh, I guess. Honestly, two for first-round picks are going to be big for the Magic. And honestly, let's still get it from the Bulls. The Bulls, with this player, now they got a rock, got a nice little duo with Vucevic and Zach Levine. And I believe with the addition of Vucevic, the Bulls could make a run at the play-in tournament or just a straight-up playoff spot. I really think they can make the playoffs now with this addition of Vucevic. Obviously, you get a guy who can score, can shoot a little bit around side. I, I think he's a little bit of an underrated defensive player, so that helps out Chicago in a big way. For the Magic, they get two first-round picks out of it, so that's always good. Also, they get, they get Wendell Carter Jr., who is still very young, could st- has still has plenty of potential, and we'll see how well he can do in Orlando. It's been, he's been a little bit of a disappointment in Chicago, but we'll see how well he does in Orlando. Speaking of Orlando, they also traded Evan Fournier to the Boston Celtics for two second-round picks. Now, I believe the Orlando Magic could have probably – gotten something a little more for Evan Fournier because Evan Fournier is the guy who can get get you a bucket when you really need him to. I feel like I'm going to got more for him other than just two second round picks. But for the Celtics, it's a very good pickup for them. I mean, they needed a guard. 
a point guard who can get them some buckets off the bench because Jeff Teague has not played that well all year long. And I'm coming off the bench. And, well, you can't just rely on Kemba Walker all day long. Just play point guard forever. So we'll see how that goes for them. This is actually a very surprising trade for a guy like Danny H. Usually he just, I don't know. He's, I don't know what to do with Danny H if you're a Celtics fan. The second Denver Nuggets trade that they made today was to get Aaron Gordon from the Magic. The Magic just went out and had a fire sale today, which I think is good for them because I think it's time for the Orlando Magic to finally realize, hey, you're comp- we're just competing for 8th seed, 7th seed every year. We're not going to get anywhere. Let's just blow up the team, get some assets, and start a rebuild. So this is a really good, for move, good, good trade deadline for them in that sort of way. So they traded Aaron Gordon to Denver, and they got Gary Harris, who's a solid shooting guard. Also got a first-round pick out of it. Also got a very nice player, young player in RJ Hampton, who can be a backcourt mate with Cole Anthony for quite a bit of for a little bit for quite a long time. If they play their cards right, Aaron Gordon to Denver, it gives them a nice little option at the four or the three. First, you know, play him at the four. He he's a little bit more athletic than Paul Millsap by a long shot. Oh, I don't know why I said a little more. He's a long shot more athletic than a Paul Millsap, and helps him out a little more defensively. Don't get me wrong, Aaron Gordon could still lose a little help on that side of the basketball, but I trust him to play better defense than old old as dirt Paul Millsap in a potential playoff series against a guy like Kawhi Leonard or LeBron James or, you know, other players like that. So this is a very solid move for the Atlanta not for the Denver Nuggets, I should say. Now they got a nice little trio of Jokic, Murray, and Aaron Gordon. Chicago also got guys like Troy Brown and Wagner, who they immediately traded for Daniel Tice. For the Boston Celtics, so that's another and I saw a pickup for the Chicago Bulls, and I believe the Wizards got back Daniel Gafford and some Hutchinson dude. All right, I forgot his first name. So Chicago had a nice little trade deadline. They're definitely one of the winners of this trade deadline, but another big winner of the big of the trade deadline is my team, the Miami Heat. They traded for. Bellalicia from the Sacramento Kings. I think I pronounced his name right. And they traded him, traded for him for Mo Harkless, who personally I did not like that signing at all. I didn't like the signing for Mo Harkless. I didn't think he was that great of a pickup for the Miami Heat. And they also traded Carlos Silva to Sacramento. And of course, at the very last minute, they picked off Victor Oladipo from the Houston Rockets, which I absolutely love the trade, especially after we I saw what they got they gave up in return in exchange for a Victor Oladipo, which was pretty much nothing. They traded Avery Bradley, who hasn't done a damn thing on the Miami Heat since we acquired him. Kelly Olynyk, who is a decent role player at best, and a pick swap. So <laughs> Absolutely amazing job by Pat Riley with that deal. We get to keep our young core, which is absolutely amazing. And we get another player who can help us 
in the Eastern Conference playoff push. So, well done, Pat Riley. Some other trades talk about, obviously, one of the last second deal, we saw J.J. Reddick go to the Dallas Mavericks. And this is a really good trade for Dallas because it gives them another three-point option. Because I think that Dallas Mavericks are definitely one of those teams that definitely could use some help from the perimeter, especially after they lost Seth Curry in free agency. Another trade I saw I found interesting was Rajon Rondo getting traded for Lou Williams. Lou Williams goes to the ATL. So that I think I think he start I think he's a Georgian native, so it's good for him to go back home. And for the Clippers, they get a true point guard that they desperately needed. And Rondo is a point guard that honestly fits perfectly with that perfectly for that team. It gets takes a lot of the ball handling pressures on guys like Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and Rondo can run your offense for you, Brady. And he's a very intelligent player, so we'll see how it goes. He he has very, 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 very extensive championship experience, winning a championship in both Boston and obviously last year with the Lakers. So I think he's going to go in there and make a nice little impact for the Clippers. Another interesting trade I saw was Norman Powell to Portland for Gary Trent and Rodney Hood. I think that trade kind of benefits both. It's kind of a weird trade, but it also benefits both sides. Norman Powell, he gets to go to Portland, and then he already goes there and makes that team a little bit better. And the Toronto Raptors, they also get a nice, solid little shooting guard to go alongside Fred VanVleet and Rodney Hood. And well, He's a very solid player as well. One player I was surprised to not get seen traded was Kyle Lowry. Obviously, they didn't obviously feel like they didn't get what they wanted. I know the Lakers and the Heat were in conversations to try to get it. Honestly, for the Raptors, they wanted Tyler Hero, which the Heat were about to say heck no to that. And I guess the Lakers didn't want to give up Talon, Horton, Tucker, so there's that. So, yeah, Kyle Lowry will be a Toronto Raptor for the rest of the season. So there's that. And the last trade we want to talk about is George Hill to the Philadelphia 76ers for Tony Bradley. Personally, I think it's a decent move for the Philadelphia 76ers. Yes, Tony Bradley is a nice, solid center that was playing very well in Embiid's absence for Philadelphia. But George Hill is a solid veteran guard who can help the second unit. I'll come off the bench for the Philadelphia 76ers. Also, some news in the buyout market. Andre Drummond is expected to be bought out by the Cleveland Cavaliers, so he's probably going to go to a contender, probably the Lakers in my opinion. And LaMarcus Aldridge is also expected to be bought out by the San Antonio Spurs, and it's already reported that the Miami Heat are favorites to get him. So that would be a huge pickup for the Miami Heat if they do actually manage to get that done. But, yeah, that was a quick rapid-fire recap of the NBA trade deadline. So, yeah, (laughs) very interesting trade deadline. A lot of trades that are beneficial to a lot of teams. 
My two winners of the, de- of the trade deadline definitely had to be the Bulls and the Miami Heat. Those two definitely made the team, definitely helped out their cause for a potential playoff push. And the biggest loser was definitely the Houston Rockets. I mean, you traded Victor Oladipo for absolutely nothing. And now it looks like you traded James Harden for absolutely nothing. So, yeah, that bad. This has been a rough year for Houston. All right, to wrap up the podcast, I want to talk about the Cincinnati Bengals for my NFL team review. And for the Bengals, well, it's a team that has a promising future with a quarterback by the name of Joe Burrow. But that future will not be realized unless the Cincinnati Bengals realize and then they need to protect the bright young future of the franchise. Joe Burrow obviously ended his season prematurely, and I believe he should have been rookie the year before his injury, but it is what it is. Obviously, last year they finished with a record of 4-11-1. And obviously, they finished last in their division. Can I, I just want to talk about that offensive line again. That offensive line has been was absolutely terrible. And the Bengals were smart. I believe they will go out and drop a guy like Penny Sewell to help upgrade that offensive line. Because they definitely needed it to protect Joe Burrow, who in his time in the time that he played this season, he uh, he actually did pretty well. He threw for two thousand six hundred eighty-eight yards, which actually is very good in the ten games he played. Had a completion percentage of sixty-five point three. He averaged around two hundred sixty-eight yards a game. He had thirteen touchdowns and five picks, but here's the crazy number. He was sacked 32 times. Again, emphasis on the offensive line. They need to get upgrade off the offensive line. But, yeah, that's pretty much it. He also had a rating of 89.8. So, and I also believe he has some DC weapons to go around with him. Honestly, AJ Green is gone. But he also had guys like, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, guys like that. That's a great starting point for for offensive weapons. Also, the tight end by the name of Drew Stample. He did pretty well this year as well. So it's interesting to see how they do on that side of the football. Defense, honestly, I don't think they did that well. So that's also something I think they need to improve their pass defense. Pass rush should also be a little bit of a concern as well for that. I don't know that much to say about the Cincinnati Bengals. Honestly, I was expecting me to go through a very deep re- recap of them, but I'm not going to. Cincinnati Bengals know what they need to get done. They need to upgrade the offensive line, get a few more pieces around Joe Burrow, and Probably show up that defense just a tad bit more. That's all I got for the Cincinnati Bengals. Then. All right, and that's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. And on, April, on the end of the month, I'm going to do a huge 
just wrap up of my MLB preview series because I'm running out of time for that. And, well, opening day is only a few days away. So be on the lookout for that. But until then, peace out.